They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've met hundreds of wrestlers. They own thousands of DVDs and have watched millions of hours of wrestling. They are Prime Time Paz and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. The two-man power trip of wrestling. I am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. John, how are you this evening? Hello, Chad. I want to crush you. Oh, you're scaring me. You're scaring me into submission. You're scaring me to almost go and find a chain and have a chain match with you because our guest on the program tonight is the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff. And what a great interview this was. Ivan Koloff is an absolute, uncrowned world champion on every continent in the world. He's a former WWF champion, and that's only scratching the surface to this guy's career. John, what are your thoughts on the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff? Ooh, what a great interview with the legend. Dare I say, possibly our biggest guest to date. I think I can safely say that, the former world champion, the man who beat Bruno San Martino after seven years, and you can literally hear a pin drop in Madison Square Garden. I mean, it was unbelievable to be able to get to talk to a legend of that magnitude. We cover in detail the title change with Bruno San Martino and the WWWF. We cover in great detail his feuds in Jim Crockett promotions, which could be, I mean, I guess, to more of the modern fans, what he's most known for, just because of the sheer magnitude of the bigger shows and pay-per-views, you know, in those mid-'80s NWA supercards. But he had a very, very great outlook on his career, great stories. Uh, Is there anything that stood out to you specifically about our talk with Mr. Koloff? Well, definitely. I I love the NWA stuff, the stuff that the Russians, uh, Crusher Crew said, great stuff on Nikita Koloff. Uh, even Vladimir Petrov, got to go mention him as well. <laughs> talking, about his, talking about his great feuds with the Rock and Roll Express, Dusty, Magnum, especially the Road Wars. I mean, it goes on and on. What a, what a great legendary career. But maybe something that stuck out to me the most was us talking to him about his WWE Hall of Fame snub. Yes, without a doubt. Maybe the most glaring omission next to, or well, up to this year with the Macho Man is Ivan Koloff, that all of his... Uh, I guess you could say uh, co-workers and all the other guys from his era, the big champions, are all immortalized in the WWE Hall of Fame, and it's safe to say that they're missing the boat right now on excluding Ivan Koloff. Yes, it's almost unbelievable when you think about it that he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. The man who ended the seven-year run of Bruno and basically the third world champion in, in the history of WWF isn't in the Hall of Fame, the Russian Bear, one of the greatest legends of all time, the NWA legend, is not in the WWE Hall of Fame, and that's quite a shame. Yeah, it really is, but you're going to take a lot of positives from the interview. He's a very, very nice man. He's doing a lot of good um, in, in his Christian faith and, and spreading the word um, of how he found the Lord, and he goes into Great detail about that. Uh, like you said, it might be one of the biggest names we've had so far. It was definitely one of the most fun to listen to. That's enough out of me. I throw it to my tag team partner, maybe the Vladimir Petrov of our team, because he's here today. Maybe he'll be gone tomorrow. But primetime pause, what do you have to say about the Russian bear? Folks, you got to listen to this one. Ivan Koloff, huge, huge legend of business. We cover it all. The world title win, the legendary run in the NWA, we cover it all. You're going to want to listen to one of the greats in the history of the wrestling business, the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff. 
Glenn Kelly, real estate tycoon and real estate promoter extraordinaire, teams with WWE legends for the charity event of a lifetime. On Saturday, June 13th, join Glenn Kelly, glennkelly.com, and B98.5 at the Aztec Oceanfront Resort in Seaside Heights from noon to 4. This is your chance to meet WWE legends like Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jake the Snake Roberts, Mick Foley, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, and many more. All proceeds for this will go to Eternal Tranquility. For all event info and to sponsor your company, visit glennkelly.com. That's G-L-E-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com. In the annals of pro wrestling history, few men have been able to elicit the reaction of our guest tonight. Simply put, he is the man who will forever be known by his nickname, the Russian Bear. He is a former WWWF champion and a former multiple-time NWA tag team champion. He is also a 2011 inductee into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. It is our sincere honor and distinct pleasure to welcome to the two-man power trip, Mr. Ivan Koloff. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure, comrade. It is indeed a pleasure for Ivan Koloff to come on board and to visit with my fans all over the world. I really enjoy it, you know. It brings me back to times whenever I was walking to the arena and up to the ring, and, man, everybody was hollering, yelling at me, but this is just the opposite. Now I've got uh, more friends, and uh, hopefully, anyway, I thought I'd give you a little bit of that accent there, comrade, to uh, remind <laughs> the fans about Dirty Old Light and Koloff. How is everybody doing? I hope that they're all excited and uh, ready to enjoy uh well, bad. WWE's got a bunch of stuff going on. I see a lot of the uh, big organizations got big stuff going on, even down to the MAA stuff. And it reminds me of when I started in the business, getting beat up every night. <laughs> now, Mr. Koloff, first things first, I wanted to talk about your documentary that was put out by the legendary Michael Elliott, Ivan Koloff, The Russian Bear. What was it like putting that documentary together? It was indeed a pleasure because I ended up uh, wanting to do something like that. But when Mike uh, approached me and he wanted to do something with uh, as far as uh, wrestling and my career and everything, I was more than uh, happy about it and uh, overjoyed that they were going to do something like that. And uh, when I found out that he did it with uh, not only uh, uh, Rock Roll Express, but Jimmy Vang and a bunch of guys, it was really uh, an honor to be considered for it. And uh, I uh, look forward to uh, uh, the fans uh, being introduced to it. And, and uh, I think they'll enjoy it. They'll really enjoy it because it, uh, it touches on my whole career. And uh, it goes back to different stories that happened in the wrestling and uh, and uh, just touches uh, where the Lord has taken me nowadays. And uh, I'm really happy how it turned out. Now, it's great to see. I personally backed it, but it was great to see that there's still such a big fan base out there for you that would give the money to Kickstarter so Michael Elliott could put this whole thing together. Oh, really? Without that, you know, chances are it would never really get off the ground. And I really do appreciate and thank you all for, you know, being part of it, uh, not only investing in it, but the idea of uh, uh, wanting to uh, uh, hear the Russian Bear story and uh, having. Uh, reminder of it in the past. I mean, the 50 years, over 50 years now, of being part of wrestling, it's uh, really taken me down that crazy road of uh, the party life and uh, the craziness of uh, drugs and alcohol and uh, fights and all that crazy stuff. But uh, God's good, patient, and ended up, uh, I'm still around, so I'm so thankful for that. But uh, yeah, I uh, really uh, am happy and thankful to the not only the fans, but the people that uh, thought enough to invest in it. Thank you again very much. Now, one of the best parts of the DVD is obviously the WWWF stuff. And surprise, surprise, guess who's on the DVD? The living legend, Bruno Sammartino. What's your relationship yeah. with Bruno over all these years? Uh, real good. You know, a lot of fans may not know it. I mean, they don't know if they looked at my uh, documentary, but... Uh, Bruno Sabatino was my hero, you might say, as I started into wrestling. I graduated the wrestling school uh, just a few months before he became world champion in 63. 
and I got a chance to wrestle him in Pittsburgh, uh, one of my first matches uh, under a different name, because I was told to wrestle under a, uh, a name uh, that I could throw out later on, and that way I wouldn't have a bad <laughs> loss record, because when you're beginning and you don't have the experience, you're bound to get beat up a lot. I ended up, uh, as Red McDonald's, getting picked to wrestle Bruno on television. So th- to this day, uh, I keep in touch with them. I try not to bug them too much, but, you know, whenever you uh, uh, have a legend as a hero like uh, Bruno, it's uh, hard not to keep calling them, but uh, I try to keep in touch uh, every year uh, several times, and uh, he's uh, remained a good friend all these years. Uh, although that night when it uh, happened, I must say, I wasn't uh, too sad about it. Uh, well, maybe for about five seconds, one, two, three, and they raised, <laughs> raised my hand. I said, oh, man, you can't be beating your own hero. But as it turned out, uh, it was the greatest thing for my career, you know, to end up having won the belt from especially somewhat a legend like Bruno win the belt from him. It's really put my name out there. Yeah, without a doubt, and they always say about that match is that you could have heard a pin drop afterwards because mm-hmm. the crowd was in stunned disbelief that their hero had just been dethroned by the dastardly Ivan Koloff. What are your recollections that night of the crowd and how they responded to your victory? And uh, I was uh, at first very nervous, of course. You can appreciate the fact, even though at that point I was had been wrestling for eight years or so, and so I got a lot of experience. I was Canadian champion up there, tag team champion, and uh, ended up uh, getting both to the ring with that, that yeah, you know, the butterflies and all that stuff, but still quite confident. You know, I was 300-plus uh, pounds, and uh, I even uh, – that made me feel good because I, I was more than my hero. He was like 270 that night, 270-something, and <laughs> I was over 300. <laughs> so I figured I had the, the edge, I think. And I knew that he'd been – hurt quite a bit, those hard rings up there, boxing rings, so I ended up uh, taking the back, I got a chance, you know, to have me come all the way back from Australia to uh, end up wrestling Bruno again, that uh, I'd had the chance to uh, maybe capture that belt, and uh, for like about five seconds, I felt real bad after I won it, but that was real quick, you know. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, and the... Everything was real quiet to the extent that it reminded me of some of the matches I had in Canada. Ernie the Cat Lad, everybody remembers, I'm sure, a big football player, nine. He was my tag team partner up in Montreal for some time, and we ended up being the champions against the Rougeos, the the, uh, country's favorites up there. And uh, it was a two out of three fall, and the people thought we were going to win the, the belts from them, and they were so upset. They filled the ring with the chairs. That wooden chairs, they just threw it. We, we took off for the dressing room to get out of there. We wanted to uh, make sure we weren't uh, going to get killed. And I must say, uh, the chairs came flying, uh, you know, and filled the ring up. So it felt like that that night whenever I ended up uh, going out to the sh- uh, matches in uh, the gardens against Bruno. And uh, even after, whenever the, the still came, because they couldn't believe that their hero, Bruno San Martino, was defeated. So I ended up, uh, you know, uh, saying, like, where's the belt? They you know, to the promoter, and uh, or to the referee, I mean. And he said, uh, no, 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 go back to the dressing room, you'll get it back there. Because he felt himself that it could be a riot. And sure enough, <laughs> the, the people were really upset to the point that uh, uh, they ended up, uh, uh, you know, crying and they're looking around like uh, they didn't know as far as uh, Bruno was concerned because he was just laying there. And even Bruno said after, he said, yeah, he said, well, what happened? And what, why the people so still? People crying and everything like that. And indeed, I looked out of the curtain from the back a little later on, and uh, sure enough, they're crying and the people, and they're saying, don't worry, Bruno, you'll always be our champ. You'll get the belt back and all this kind of stuff. And, man, uh, then I really started feeling bad. I said, man, what's going on here? But they really loved Bruno to 
to this day they still do it. It's just something that's uh, really great that, that to see that people feel that way, you know. And uh, that was my experience of that. But I, after that, I had a few more incidents like that in arenas, but never to that intensity of having the people. And I love them so much that they're crying and uh, encouraging them. And matter of fact, uh, the captain and I, little battle, we had to go down to the uh, basement to catch a cab after. Uh, they always let uh, our match go on earlier so we could get out of there. And uh, the, the people came in with the cab, about 50 people, and they tried to stop <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the taxi. And uh, that was scary because uh, I remember uh, Captain yelled at the driver's seat, if you want your car in one piece, you better get out of here. He stepped on it, got us out of there. So that was good. And in typically controversial fashion in the wrestling business, you only held the title for 21 days before losing it to another, you know, somewhat uh, cult figure at that point in uh, in the WWF territory, Pedro Morales. And you can almost liken that to more recent controversies of the day that. It was a quick turnaround, but it, it kind of also working in the Bruno loss. There, the Bruno loss was not taped for television. Am I wrong? No, that's right. And There's only one match of, of it, one uh, clip, and it was done by somebody's camera, a real obsolete camera, I guess, back in those days from the ringside. That's out there today, black and white uh, shot of it. You know. Yeah, and then the subsequent loss to Pedro Morales. You know. I don't know if it had to do with politics or what, but you know, what can you tell us about the uh, the somewhat you know the three week title reign that that ended after a seven year title reign of Bruno? Well, you know, of course, with Bruno, it was uh, a long stay. It was right in the middle of the ring, the knee drop off the top, and uh, it turned out that uh, with Pedro, I even tell people today that you know say it just in jest, but actually it was. The truth uh, ended up uh, with uh, Bruno was right in the middle of the ring, uh, but with Pedro, it was a very controversial finish, really, because I was on the offense. I had him and uh, pulled Elton. He kicked the top bolt, knocked out, bounced backwards. I dropped my hands down to the waist lock and then bridged. Uh, not a complete bridge, but it was into a bridge while I was on the offense. And they counted, they set a count, his shoulders down, they counted my shoulders down. So obviously the promotion didn't want me in that slot. So they uh, or wanted Pedro in that slot. So it ended up uh, that's the way it happened. There's not much you could do about it. You could holler and yell and everything if that's what the boss wants. I guess that's the way it's going to stay. But uh, to this day, I still say, how could you do that? You know, you usually count down the shoulders of the guy that's on the offense, not on the defense. And, but anyway, that's the way it happened. And, uh, uh, unfortunately, because I really think uh, even holding it a few months or a year or whatever, I thought I really could have done well with uh, being the champion because I really believed that the, the the competition that was up there at the time, they, they would believe that uh, a lot of them could uh, whoop me, beat me, including Bruno, come back and have a return match and be able to take it back again. But uh, they never allowed that, so they're probably afraid of the Russian champion. Yeah, without a doubt. But actually, if you want to kind of liken it to uh, today's uh, current landscape for you know more of the newer fans, it's it's kind of almost identical to the controversy surrounding the Brock Lesnar Undertaker outcome from last year's WrestleMania. Albeit uh, now here we are talking about this, you know, almost forty plus years later. Uh, I'd like to see mm-hmm. if uh, the same same can be said for the other match. Yeah. And that, that, that's true, you know, with The Undertaker being a winning streak you know, 21 times uh, just to end up uh, losing it. God bless her. Even my wife says that man is uh, determined to, to go out there and hurt somebody. You can tell by the look on his face. Like, she says he's like a pit bull. <laughs> so uh, I can see where uh, he makes a good champion with his background, MAA or whatever it is. Uh, you know, pretty hard to beat a man that's that tough, you know. But uh, he's a good one. And uh, Undertaker, no, nothing to take away from him. He's obviously a proven champion there for years. 
what was it like working for Vince Sr., and how did he treat you after you lost the world title? Oh, very good. You know, uh, I was brought back with the understanding I'd be coming back for at least a year, you know, uh, no matter what the outcome of the match against Bruno was. And uh, I had just left there a few months before that, went to Australia for a couple months, and was on my relaxing in a while when I got the call to come back and uh, had that understanding. You know, you come back for a moving on yourself back, and then you're going to stay, and uh, now, now you're not, you know, and you lost the match, so you have to leave, but that's what you have to put up with. Uh, you, you have to take a chance like that, And uh, but uh, I must say, this was uh, good for his word. He ended up uh, taking care of me, taking care of me. I prefer to have the chance to have the belt for a while there, but uh, that was, that's the way the ball bounces sometimes, and it ended up that, uh, uh, as it was, uh, you know, he really took care of me for the last couple of months that I was there, and uh, I came back later on, a couple of more trips, and wrestled the different guy Bruno, and later on Backlund, and uh, so that, that complained. I always got along with Pitch Senior and Junior. I mean, Junior was a commentator most of back then, but always uh, uh, Senior's right hand, and I guess he was learning the business. That we sure learned it good by the look of it. This is in there, and really expanded today. But uh, I really uh, thought that uh, Vince was always a real gentleman when it came to uh, the boys. He was always, uh, I guess, uh, treating us uh, when we came in for TV, and up get together after the second night of TV, and uh, going out to have a dinner, a uh, couple drinks, and uh, he always had a smile for the even underneath guy and a handshake, you know. And uh, my experience with wrestling in different territories around the world, you didn't get that a lot. Not if, if you're, you know, one of the main guys, one of the main eventers and that, they might end up uh, a little bit, uh, you know, catering to you, but not to the extent that the senior did. He seemed to always have a smile on his face and nice to the guys. But Did you leave them on bad terms at all? I don't believe so. It was in bad terms on uh, my, my side, but it, it could have been like a mis type of understanding as far as uh, uh, they were concerned because, uh, you know, with uh, an opposition group coming in later on and, uh, and uh, you know, I always look at wrestling. You're a self-contractor and you go to wherever you, you know, can make the, the most money or whatever, like more or less like a, more than one drugstore on the same corner on the same street or something. And uh, I just ended up making that bad uh, decision to go for opposition group, even though I was getting double the money at the time. Uh, and uh, I guess it's an uh, offense on, on it. And, uh, but uh, this seemed all right after that. They just uh, For a while there, they're a little upset with me, but they, they ended up uh, doing okay with it. Where did you end up after you left the uh, WWF at that point? Uh, let me see. I went up with them, like I said, after Wrestle Bruno in the late 70s, uh, back then in the early 80s. Uh, I just went up there a couple of years ago. They had me go up to, so I, I guess the relationship is all right. Uh, you know, we're good standing, and, you know, they paid me to go up and, be part of uh, WrestleMania up there, so I hope everything's uh, all right. Uh, I go up and uh, when I see him, uh, I got those squats at all with them. Uh, you can't, whatever. Uh, they ended up doing the best thing for my career by uh, me being the champion up there wrestling against uh, the legend Bruno and, and many others, and sort of made it for the rest of the territory. So, uh, no, I don't think there's bad feelings. If there is, it, it's on the good part, not in mine. That's, that's the way I feel about it. Now, it's kind of strange to me, and I think it's strange to a ton of people, that you aren't in the WWE Hall of Fame. It's really quite a snub. What do you think about that? Uh, probably, um, uh, kidding, Larry, I, I was uh, going to say that Vince uh, uh, is probably afraid that I'll challenge him and whoop him, you know. But <laughs> no, I, I think probably 
he's holed out for another time, but uh, maybe uh, where the situation maybe where I wrestled more, you know, California, I wrestled a bit out there, but not a lot, so maybe he's waiting for a different location or something. So if it happens after, I guess his legs got to go on, so uh, I don't, uh, I'm not going to cry over uh, anything like that. Just uh, it was a little disappointing because after wrestling over 50 years and still being part of uh, being around it, I uh, end up, uh, you know, really love to have a little bit of the, uh, you know, royalties that may be involved and maybe the autograph sessions would be involved with WWE. And, uh, but if that's not to be at this time, uh, no fans, said, well, yeah, I'd still get some shots anyway, so, but, uh, Maybe later on, I hope uh, it'll work out. Yeah. You would I'll think that they would want the most legendary villain possibly in their history, the guy who beat Bruno San Martino after seven years in the Hall of Fame, right? Well, you'd think so, yeah. I think that, uh, I suppose, yeah, look, when you look at it that way, like I was actually the third person to ever have the belt, you know, to get it from someone like a legend like Bruno. Yeah, the significance of it to me is real, uh, you know, to the people, man, that they would think that, uh, man, what's this guy even alive today? He must be, uh, you know, it's not committed route. Just Bruno, myself, and a few others that are uh, still alive from the, that era, you know. So, uh, but uh, I, hopefully it'll happen one day here and uh, not too long in the future because, uh, you know, I would like to be still in good enough health to be able to participate in doing some things after. And uh, But uh, I'll uh, keep my fingers crossed here. And uh, I know, just go on with life. And uh, probably Hollywood's going to call me anyway any minute now. Or I'll win a big sweepstakes or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or maybe the fans are going to order my documentary from my site, IvanPoloff.com. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, put me up in that the category there with uh, the high high rollers. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. go for that for sure. Yeah, if they do, uh, I, seriously though, on the series note, I would love to uh, be able to do that because I got a ministry now, and that really helps me get around. Like this weekend, I'm going up to attend some matches in Shelby, North Carolina, where we ended up losing the titles, me and Crusher Khrushchev, to the Rock and Roll Express. And uh, we're going to be wrestling there at uh, this event uh, for a local promoter. Uh, All right. It's uh, number one, George South. And uh, it's in a Russian chain match. And uh, uh, the, the proceeds go to uh, for the school, for their uh, ball team. And uh, then after the next day, I stay over and speak at a church in Charlotte. So, you know, it really helps my ministry. I do a lot with young uh, kids, too. But I encourage them to go the right path, the drugs and alcohol, stay off that stuff. And, listen to mom and dad and try to do the right thing and try to encourage them and get an education and such. But, uh, so that really helps uh, my ministry. We've even got pictures on there that they can purchase on that picture or uh, another DVD I got where, uh, but matter of fact, I got the documentary on for a special price right there now at $25. And uh, this other DVD I got has got like 22 matches on it in my career. And it's uh, just uh, $20, so the people that uh, have a lot of entertainment there, too, just by get that, and it would really help my ministry, whether they get a picture. Maybe the people out there would like me to come to their church and speak uh, or uh, perform a wedding program. I'm an ordained minister, officiate weddings. I've been doing that for the last 10 years, so really enjoy that. So I'm, you know, branching out there and doing a lot of different things that are really enjoy doing, and uh, I really appreciate the help. They've always been so nice, the fans, uh, uh, I guess, down deep in our hearts. They, they like the idea that old Russian was uh, out there being competitive all those years, and uh, and I, I'm so thankful for that, too, because uh, it really helps a lot. Even to this day, guys, have turned my life around so much. Uh, my daughter, our daughter is uh, a gospel singer, highwayrevival.com. People might want to go to that and check her out. Her and her uh, husband, Philip Marley Band, Rachel is a uh, really good singer. Uh, two uh, grandchildren, uh, 
two babies that she's got, uh, one 12 and one 8 years old. They're great singers, too. Really smart girls, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, daughter, of course, is the one with the blonde hair, just like her uh, grandpa, or with her, uh, her pa, I should say. <laughs> but somebody's got that beautiful hair because I don't have it no more. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, throughout your legendary career, you performed, you know, obviously, at WWF, like we were talking about, Mid-Atlantic, Championship Wrestling Florida, Georgia Championship Wrestling, the AWA. But the one thing that really sticks out to me is Jim Crockett Promotions mm-hmm. and, when you were the, and when you were with the Russians. Can you tell us a little bit about working with the Russians? Oh, yes. This was great because uh started off, you know, uh, when I went into that area, wrestling Paul Jones, Wahoo, and a number of other guys, but... I've been going away for a while, come back, different territories back in those days. Besides the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, I, I had 12 tours to Japan, Australia, and even all over in Europe, but it was mostly around here to uh, end up uh, going back uh, often to the mid-Atlantic area in Charlotte and having so many different tag team partners from Ray uh, Stevens, uh, we're tag team champions together, world tag champ, to... Uh, Guys like Don Cornudo and then uh, Crusher Khrushchev, Nikita, and so many different partners that that really helped my, uh, after being in the business 20 years, uh, my career was really extended because of guys like uh, Nikita and Crusher coming on board and uh, really making the Russian thing successful, especially against teams like not only the Rock and Roll Express because they're fast teams, smaller but fast team that people loved them, but the Road Warriors, which was a big, strong team, too, American, uh, all the people go crazy, USA, USA, and uh, uh, it was quite, uh, people still talk about the matches and everything, so uh, it brings back uh, great memories. Yeah, there's so many great moments that you could pick out from your run uh, in Jim Crockett Promotions, and teaming with Crusher Khrushchev, as you mentioned, but could you tell us a little bit about teaming with Nikita Koloff and seeing him evolve from being a part of your team to then becoming the superstar that he did? Did he always have that desire and that, you know, eye of the tiger? I hate to use that cliche from uh, that time period, but did you see Nikita growing into the star he became? Uh, Well, I was hopeful at the time, you know, because I heard that he was – you know, great shape, and uh, I said, man, this guy's got uh, the possibilities to uh, do this, you know, because he's a college graduate, he's a real good sportsman as far as ball is concerned, uh, and he's uh, a go-getter, like that thing, great shape, three hundred close to 300 pounds, and uh, I just took the word at first, but it was like uh, whenever I met the guy and realized that this guy is on the ball, and goes all out. I think, like you just said, uh, Cloche is very good for Nikita because yeah, he uh, put his uh, 100% effort in. I know it's not only the earlier in his life to the college and the football, but uh, later on in the wrestling and today in the ministry that he has, he, he goes all out and I'm so proud of him and so glad, but uh, and a little surprised because, you know, whenever you come from just being in football or whatever other sport to a new sport and it's uh, like totally different and you got to just go by uh, one day at a time and that's what I pretty well did try to show them one thing a day like you know that top wrist lock reverse uh, uh, bear hug uh, how to get out of it you know the psychology of it I mean it took a while and I said whatever you do you got to be aggressive and you got to be strong in there you got to be tough and don't be talking to people just let that mystique be there that you're, you know, does you speak English or not? You know, and, and he did it perfect for over two years. Uh, he was just, uh, people didn't know what was and he just went around with that accent and uh, just really aggressive. And uh, he thought, matter of fact, sometimes too aggressive. He knocked uh, not only his opponents down, but I even had to complain to him because when I tagged him sometimes, uh, after we got started a bit, he'd slap my hand so hard, I'd be like, oh, you know, <laughs> ow. And then uh, he'd come in to, to go out of the ring when I tagged him, and I'd 
he bumped me with his elbow, and he hit me so hard with a bony elbow, he hit me, and, ah, oh, I go, man. So I called him inside the dressing room, and I said, Nikita, I'm your partner. Don't kill me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he, he laughed because I, he knew what I was t- saying. I was just more kidding than anything, but I loved it. I told him, I said, no, you just keep it up. That's what you have to do. You have to be strong out there and tough. And I just got to come across to the people, and uh, he did. He did. Uh, and he kept off success, and he ended up being successful at it. And I don't think there's anybody else I can think of went from uh, one sport into another and uh, turned turned it around and was, uh, you know, successful as he was in the wrestling. Even after he left me for that dirty, dusty road, he ended up uh, <laughs> going partner in back at the end of car wreck, and that's he needed the partner. And, uh, of course, he was the booker at the time, so... There goes Nikita, but anyway, that's uh, I, there's never any complaints about Nikita, and uh, the thing I told him, I told Crusher when they were with me, if you ever get an offer, and it sounds like it's good, you want to go for it, uh, just tell me about it, go. That's it. Uh, Nikita didn't have a chance because they asked not to say nothing, but uh, was still, they, they knew that they had my blessing on it because uh, it was something that I wanted to not stand in their way as a career. We remain friends. Thank God for that, because uh, I believe God, God placed the key in my life just for the idea of later on to introduce me to the Lord and to turn my life around, too. So, you know, I guess uh, when you lay that seed, the red seed, you get paid back for it. The Lord is good uh, drawing me to him. So I'm glad of that. Now, Crusher and you were great. I think Nikita, in my opinion, is was your best partner. I think you guys were great together. But there was a guy a lot of people forget about, Vladimir Petrov. Now, did you enjoy teaming with him? What was it like teaming with him? And what happened to him? Uh, after uh, pressure, you mean, left? Yeah. Yep. Um, well, uh, as far as uh, pressure is concerned, he was actually yeah, easier partner for me to have as far as getting in the ring and wrestling because he was already experienced and he was very good in the ring, Crusher. Uh, I, lo- I love Crusher as far as a partner. Uh, Nikita was the money of the future type of thing, you might say, because uh, we're keeping him uh, there. <laughs> uh, the big explosion at the end like that. Thing. But uh, as far as Crusher uh, goes, he seen the opportunity up in New York to go as a demolition, and he went up there, so... Uh, uh, that you know, I was glad for him, and uh, that was a good run with uh, Bill Eady, the Mass Superstars. So uh, we ended up uh, no hard feelings. It ended up uh, when pressure left, and on top of it, uh, uh, Nick, uh, he was gone, and Nikita and I uh, took on uh, other uh, different uh, partners or whatever. Had our run with the Road Warriors. Everything went good. I couldn't complain a bit. But the whole thing, even at the end, they still had the work in. I goes to show you the diversity of the different things I was able to do from wrestling Bruno San Martin up there, having the belt, coming here and having the belt five times altogether, and different partners, and still after being able to uh, draw money, even after when the assassins, the Russian assassins, Paul Jones, put on me and I wrestled against Paul Jones and them, and even against Nikita in uh, chain matches and such, it was still uh, was business. It was uh, drawing money. So uh, promotions didn't have, couldn't have any complaints about that. They got their money's worth out of uh, Nikita and myself as far as it goes. And then some. If you had to pick one, I know it's tough, but during that era, um, whether it was tag team or in singles, what was your favorite feud while uh, in Jim Crockett Promotions? Oh, wow. Probably uh, that was the uh, best money uh, made with Crockett's was uh, between the Rock and Roll and the Road Warriors. Those couple years there, uh, three years, four, four years, or whatever, uh, that's uh, the best money I made down here while I was in this area. Of course, uh, I was in New York, being larger cities up there, and your teammate event against Bruno, uh, got paid uh, more, you know, of course, better because it was more revenue in the, the house type thing because the ticket prices were more and the bigger crowds. But uh, uh, 
uh, it, it was good to me. It was uh, a thing that uh, I really uh, could complain about and uh, stay around here. Uh, but I realized that it was uh, I couldn't stay in one area all the time. That if I move on, a lot of guys did. They ended up staying like the Paul Jones and many other guys that stayed in one area. Wahoo. I, I think Blackjack Mulligan stayed here all those years. A bunch of guys, you know, they're good enough to stay here. And uh, I believe I was, too. It's just the idea that I just felt that if I went someplace else, I'd not only be able to do it there, but I'd be able to come back here, you know. And that's why I chose to do it. And consequently, I was going all over the place from Japan, like 12 tours, and over here and uh, all the other territories from, uh, like, Atlanta, the Mid Atlantic, Atlanta to the Florida area, to here, to New York, and uh, Georgia. I mean, just craziness uh, back and forth all over the place. Uh, not very good uh, life for family, but it was uh, uh, kept on the go with that thing. And uh, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it as far as the wrestling is concerned. That was my dream come true since I was eight years old. So to have your dream accomplished uh, is quite a good feeling. Do you remember teaming with uh, Vladimir Petrov? Yeah. What, uh, was, the, what was his deal? Uh, he ended up was going to fill in that forget for was a crusher. Was he after crusher or before? Can't remember now. After, yeah, he was after. After, yeah, I believe so. Uh, I think maybe they're going to go for that. And uh, crusher, he, he had a lot of potential. Uh, scary to say the least. <laughs> he was the type that uh, you know. You get a guy at 300 plus pounds and as strong as he is, and he had that look, you know, that this is guy not to mess with. He was real nice with me and everything. I like got we're friends and everything, but he ended up, I guess, his business before uh, caused him to have to go away for a while. I guess he was breaking the law or in with a group that was breaking the law, and he ended up catching up to him, and he had to go for that. But he ended up. Uh, you know, later on, being able to come back, but at that point, they had taken care of him so well that he ended up uh, not uh, you know, wanting to come back to the wrestling. I guess the favorite he did for the big guys, I guess he ended up being set up in business. That's the way I understand because I tried to get a hold of him after the two years was up, and he says, no, I'm all set down here. They set him up in, a, I guess, a big food market, and it was his, so he uh, was all right with it. I think he took a bump for the the boss, you know, type thing in the Oh yeah. You know, I don't know what he's they're all involved in, but I can imagine. Now speaking of him, he got you know, had the look. You had the look and you transformed yourself, you know, you mentioned Red McNulty to becoming the Russian bear. What was the thought process becoming the Russian bear and how did you, you know, take that character and become Ivan Kolo? Uh, first, in the wrestling school, I was given that uh, Red McNulty, Irish, more or less, uh, like uh, the Seamus, the guy that's up there now in WWE, red hair, the beard, everything. And I was uh, pretty big at the time, going close to 300 pounds. And was like, uh, I was uh, the Irish rogue, they were calling me. But uh, that was good for learning, starting off. And it took me to, uh, out to the West Coast for a couple of years. And, uh, I ended up uh, really learning a lot. So a lot of guys helped me uh, out there in that area. Don Leo Jonathan, the McClarity brothers, and whole bunch Dutch Savage and everything. And he ended up... Uh, uh, it was just a type of thing that uh, I uh, had to... Um, I guess uh, <laughs> I got off track there to thinking... Uh, uh, what was that bitch over the red big thought? Oh, yeah, going to... I have a call off. I got a chance uh, to go to Japan, and they booked me over in Japan, and uh, uh, they ended up uh, in booking me over in Japan. I met the promoter's brother from Montreal, Jacques Rougeau. Johnny Rougeau was the promoter, and he ended up uh, uh, giving me the name when I went to Montreal, and that's why I ended up doing so good in Montreal. They featured me up there because they seen a lot of promise in me, and uh, they had me do stuff like... Uh, I would call off the rest of come to the ring, run into the, from the dressing room to the ring, round and round the outside of the ring about five times. They announced my opponent, and then it announced me, and I'd jump in the ring, attack my opponent, uh, beat him up, and uh, put him in, inverted back, back over my shoulder, and then uh, turn around and 
jump out of the ring, round and round the ring about five more times, run back to the dressing room. After doing that every night for about a year, uh, Ben was not only getting in great uh, cardiovascular shape, but I was already real big and strong, you know, that uh, it really got over with the people, and uh, I ended up uh, getting that uh, name during that period of time, uh, Mad Russian, like you know, Russian bear, than Mad, Mad Russian and all this stuff. But uh, I was glad to, and they really expounded on it when I got down to New York. And because uh, Captain Lou Albano and his partner uh, ended up coming up as a Sicilians to Montreal to wrestle in tag team tournament, and they ended up going back and telling Vince about me. And uh, Lou had asked me, would you like to come to New York and wrestle Bruno? I said, kid, wrestle my hero? Yeah, I'd love to. So in 69, they had me go up there, and, uh, man, that's where I got the handle and the name and everything. Wrestled Bruno for eight months or something all around the loop, five, four or five times, which was unusual for anybody to come in and go that many times around with Bruno. Winning some matches but never winning the belt. That's when I left and went to Australia after, figured come back in a few years and try it again. You know, but uh, they called me back, and... Uh, but, uh, yeah, that sort of stuff, that handle, even over in Australia and after that in other areas. Although uh, later on in the 80s, I uh, realized as I was in the business uh, a little 20 years, I said, maybe I should drop back on my weight, body weight, uh, 300, 280, 300 is a little much. Maybe uh, the guys were starting to move faster, like rock and roll and all that, and uh, ended up uh, dropping, uh, do a lot of running, like, about three miles a day, I did that. I gave him such great shape. They were calling me to the machine in the ring. They couldn't slow me down, so I ended up getting to the point that I ended up uh, uh, going down to about 230, 240, and then even a little less than that for a while there, but uh, felt great in the ring. and Could, could do 90-minute matches. It's like nothing would bother me, but... Uh, and. Uh, it got me ready, I guess, for that run with the, the Russians and all that because I was a little lighter, but yet uh, still big enough, I guess, to have some matches. And it really ex- uh, exaggerated the size of Nikita and Crusher also be being smaller, you know, because it made them uh, look up much bigger, which they were. Oh, yeah. You know, at that point, much bigger than I was. It was great. Yeah, and you know, the Montreal territory, uh, a lot of people are especially I would say in the States, don't know too much about that territory. And the names, if you go through who went through Montreal, I mean, it was really all the big stars of the day, you know, Johnny Valentine and, uh, as you mentioned, um, Johnny Rougeau, who was, I believe, did you beat him for a championship in Montreal? Because that's, it's fascinating, the territory. Could you just kind of go into it a little bit about how it was wrestling in Montreal, You're, you know, where you came from? Yeah, well, I came from actually Ontario, but I ended up becoming successful in Montreal, you know, with the wrestling, and uh, never denied it simply because uh, the the family that raised me is a French family, and uh, the French didn't know it, but they're being attacked by one of their own there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I I really thought that uh, what they're doing up there was. Uh, great, and I didn't understand a lot of it because I didn't speak the language, but I could pick up uh, the vibes that the people really got into me, so much so that the riots, uh, I had people shoot stuff at me, like they'd take the leather, elastic bands and to bend the nail and shoot it like a slingshot and uh, shoot it at me, which was very dangerous. One did they hit, I don't think they did, but hit a fan or something, but one night I came back man, wrestling in Three Rivers, Quebec, and I had a nail shut in my head. It was bent the nail, but it was in, in my head. And I said, what the heck? How did the nail go in my head? You know, and I figured out what happened. But that's just the way I had to fight my way to the ring and especially back from the ring. The people would be so high, especially if I ended up beating the guy or uh, they didn't weren't happy with the finish I had. They ended up uh, trying to beat me up. I didn't have to fight. because That's why I got in the habit of trying to always tag up with a big, Strong guy like the guys like uh, uh, Hans Schmidt back in those days, the Cat Lad, <laughs> uh, uh, guys like Nikolai Volkov and uh, man Nikita later on, oh, Ray Stevens, guys that I knew, Dick Murdoch, even, that were good with their dukes. 
and uh, the sweet hands. Is, uh, some guys are real good with the, them knocking out people. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I want to thank the partner, you know, because that way I just got to walk behind him, you know. But I found out even guys like Roddy Piper, you know, man, we had Ryan Lazaudi and uh, a couple places, man, that were quite ex- extreme, to say the least, because uh, Rowdy was uh, really uh, uh, a go-getter. He, uh, he was out there and a very aggressive guy, and uh, we ended up uh, getting in a lot of fights to and from the ring. And uh, I, I can remember uh, one night in Denver, Colorado, one guy jumping on my back. There was two guys there. It turned out that I threw him off. I was about 300 pounds. I was pretty strong. And I had wrestled Billy Robinson for a 45-minute time in the match. And this is on the way back. And another guy jumped on my back. And I had to get rid of him. And I got rid of him. And I was going to kick him in the face. And I had him down. And his guy was yelling, leave my dad alone. The, the first guy was the son, but he's a grown man. And the other guy was his dad. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> What, uh, how how tense it had to be for them to want to jump me after the match is over, and I didn't even win the match. It was a draw, you know, type thing. So uh, it goes to show you that uh, back in those days, it was so bad. Places like Puerto Rico, uh, Boston Guards uh, also, uh, they had to put up a net to go to the ring over the head of the rampway, going up to the ring to stop the people from throwing things, at the, especially the bad guys. But, uh, yeah, it was very... Very intense uh, that whole time down in the Mid Atlantic, uh, to say the least. Because you know most of the buildings, no matter where you wrestled, uh, back in those times, especially in the South, they had uh, a license there to sell beer, and uh, ended up the people by the time your match would come up towards the end of the show, they'd be half lit and uh, they'd get pretty brave then. Uh, one one uh, incident in Orlando. I got out of the building before the crowd broke, I thought, and there was a little store about a half mile down the road. I hurried there. I was by myself, but I carried this uh, uh, baseball bat in the back of my uh, car, and uh, when I got out of the car, went in the store, came back out, waited for me, and uh, <laughs> I knew I was going to be all right if I got to the car. <laughs> but they are really being uh, aggressive on me, and I got the car, reached in, got that bat, they moved pretty quick because I let them know that I was ready to use it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> swinging that bat around. And, oh, it's a lot of incidents. The fans go wild. No matter who you had, Buzz Sawyer, my partner in Atlanta up in Ohio, he came out, we came out of the arena, had a street fight against somebody, and it was a tag, and went in the store, got our bag of stuff. And on the way out, I was carrying it. This guy come up to me and says, street fight. You guys don't know how to street fight. I'm just showing you how to street fight. I said, oh, you can. I said, let, me, let me put this down here. So I went to put the bag down watching him so he didn't kick me or something. Uh, by the time I raised up again, come through the door, the guy was <laughs> up in the air, was squashed him on the concrete, and was picking, uh, picked the guy up and was shaking him like a rag doll. And the police pulled up, and uh, like Barney Fife got out of the car, and he had the gun pointed at uh, Buzz, and he said, drop that man. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny, but boy, Buzz was hurting the guy. I mean, he was rubbing his face in the concrete. But he wanted a street fight. He asked for it. I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess he was willing to street fight me, but not Buzz. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Now, speaking of uh, legendary fights, there's a legendary fight between you and the Iron Sheik. What happened between you two? Oh, man, that was on the plane going to the Middle East. That was my fault. I just got too much vodka on the way over there. I finished the bottle of vodka. And, uh, matter of fact, I threw it at my friend, uh, uh, Dr. Love, and hit him in the leg. And he told me to leave him alone. He's trying to rest, trying to sleep. So I chugged along the rest of it and went around bothering the people and sitting on their tables. And <laughs> got around to where he was talking to Mr. Fuji and uh, ended up uh, interfering with their conversation. But... Uh, Mr. Fuji had told Iron Sheik to go away because in the Middle East and Kuwait, uh, I'd probably be Russian against him, but me being a Russian and him being from I, that, or that area in the Middle East. And uh, so I ended up, uh, of course, in my drunken stupor, listened to this not once, not twice, but the third time he told him, uh, Fuji was telling the story the next day. He said, I hauled off and slapped the Iron Sheik so hard, he went right over the seat 
uh, front seats of the plane and uh, got up and came and lake dived me and went down to the aisle, I guess, and fight back and forth. I don't know. I don't remember none of it, but next uh, morning, or probably an hour later or whatever, we landed in Jordan before Kuwait, and I went to the mirror, and I said, what's going on? I had a shirt store, and looked at my face in there, there's marks all over it, and uh, the, the sheet was hot at me anyway, and, and uh, then when I found out that he did it, I wanted to finish it, and the, uh, we went in the airport to get our baggage, and uh, well, I nearly did it, but the sheep was smart enough to just say, let it go. <laughs> so, hey, man, you scared me. You scared me. You're crazy. <laughs> You're drinking. You're crazy. <laughs> so I I realized that it was my own fault. So, But he bit me on the neck. Uh, that was one of the tales. But, you know, I had a lot of situations like that from Japan, uh, all over the place, all those trips to Japan. I ended up getting a few barroom fights over there. I, I'm not even a fighter, you know, like when it comes to barroom fighting. And I did some when I was a teenager, but man, uh, you got to get a few booze down you and you end up doing stupid stuff. But I was just glad whenever all that came to an end and I turned it all over to the Lord. It goes to show you the power that God has in our lives. He not only ended up creating us guys, but ended up giving us a way out. And, uh, and even the uh, directing me to, because you know, uh, whenever this all happened back and I quit the WCW in the early 90s and ended up uh, having a relationship still with Nikita as far as friends and do a little business stuff together. And Nikita called me that day and said to me about, uh, you know, uh, Ivan, uh, you know, because he was concerned about me. He wanted to invite me to come to the churches. He had become a born-again Christian. He said, Ivan, I want you to... uh, I think I know what you need in your life. You need Jesus in your life. Because, uh, man, uh, that's why you can't lick the drugs and the alcohol and chew the back and all this stuff. He knew I was trying. I'd been trying for three or four years. I even started doing autographs for charity back in 92. And figuring the Lord may be blessing me because I'm doing some good works. Uh, I still do it today just for that reason. And uh, I guess he... Uh, did bless me because he already had put the key in my life. So the key then got my attention that day because he said, you need Jesus in your life. And I said, what are you talking about, Nicky? I was raised in church. I know who uh, Jesus is. He says, well, the devil knows who Jesus is too, but that doesn't make him a Christian. He got my attention by saying that because uh, it's true. Uh, you know, I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart. Forgive me, my sins. I just took it for granted because I was going to church and I was a Christian. So he talked me into coming to that church after my autograph session that Sunday, and I did. Ended up uh, being convicted and realizing what Nikita told me, having to become a born-again Christian, was simply asking Jesus to come into my heart, forgiving my sins, and he would actually forgive me of all my sins of the past. I always thought I was too bad to be forgiven, like I did too much stuff wrong. You know, as a teenager, going to jail and all this stuff, and, you know, doing all this stuff, and being mean, plotting to uh, beat up people up, and all they beat off for money to beat people up, and, and try to get my start and everything. But uh, so you figure, well, God's not going to bless you. But uh, wrong, God did. He's had me, and I'm so thankful for that. That uh, today, that uh, doesn't make me perfect, but He does say it makes us righteous, and it's not by anything I did, other than accept, accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's just the fact that. Uh, Jesus paid the price, and uh, I can claim that victory that uh, he won for me. And I'm so glad now that I got another chance. You know, I, an old age in my life, but uh, now so I pursue the uh, church work and uh, go out there and really enjoy it, talking to people about the Lord. You know, whenever you got a past like uh, mild drugs and alcohol and fighting and all the crazy stuff, and, and God still has mercy on you. And, it still leaves you away, then it uh, ends up uh, really uh, impressing you to end up that uh, I feel now that it's not something I've got to do because you can't uh, go to heaven with uh, your works type thing. God has already paid the price by Jesus dying, got his son dying on the cross up there. So uh, all i got to do is believe that by faith and, and receive it uh, by uh, just uh, realizing that even if I slip up a little bit, I feel bad if I do. I'll have to sorry, Lord, knowing that he already paid the price for it. I just want it. I do better the next time. 
And uh, he's still working on me, of course. I got, the way I understand about the Bible is that he will to the day I die, but he's just trying to take me a certain a place, and uh, I want to accomplish that for the Lord after all he's done. But uh, that's what it is today. Got a uh, good ministry with my wife here, my better half. Yeah, Renee is real good. Uh, she takes care of all the computer work and uh, booking and stuff like this. She's uh, there for me and even keeps me company, and uh, that's uh, that's great. Patches me up when I'm beat up. <laughs> he encourages me when I'm down, and uh, she makes a good team partner. And uh, uh, man, my daughter is a gospel singer now, uh, with the grandbabies and everything. Man, I'm so happy to be doing stuff. I, I work with some of the other uh, wrestlers that became Christians, like Ted DiBiase, Sting, uh, Lex Luger, Nikita. I mean, a lot of guys now that we end up uh, going out there and putting on uh, wrestling matches in conjunction with some churches. And the people come to the matches, uh, and uh, we uh, do a couple testimonies, uh, short ones, uh, a little uh, sermon about uh, why you need Jesus in your life, an uh, invitation for uh, asking people to, they'd like to pray the prayer of uh, receiving Christ. And uh, man, I've been very su- successful at that. And I really enjoy doing stuff like that, and just going to churches and give my testimony and, and uh, officiate weddings. Of course, this is Ivan Kolov's way of getting even with the American people now. Now I'm ready. Only kidding, of course. <laughs> well, Dude. I really enjoyed this, guys. <laughs> I talk all night here. I go on and on. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. I was just going to say, do you ever experience, being a minister, you ever experience people being shocked that, you know, the villainous Ivan Kolov is, you know, now, you know, basically their minister? Oh, yeah. A lot of us said, man, I didn't realize that, uh, that this happened or change in your life, you know. And, uh, of course, most of the, the church people are happy to see it, but uh, the other people, I think, astound. And uh, I think I've had people call me from New York and just heard my testimony in writing, and that ended up uh, uh, receiving Christ because of it. They say, well, that crazy guy, uh, knowing all the crazy stuff I've done, uh, I haven't told you <laughs> hardly anything of uh, my career type thing. Uh, uh, but one thing, even all the stuff, the fightings and the drugs and all that stuff, you know, uh, I even had the privilege of being a referee for a couple of the wrestlers when they got out of line in the bars and uh, at their studio. Uh, Wahoo McDaniel against uh, uh, Don Jardine, one incident back in the 70s. And another one, Brian Blair and uh, Matt Bourne uh, up in uh, Ohio. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to get in, into that, but uh, I've always seemed to be one to pick to be the referee. If they're breaking the holes because they're both my friends, I don't want I don't want to see them uh, end up uh, hurting each other. So if they went to the hairs or the eyeballs or, you know, cheeked or something, I'd say, no, 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 don't cheat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's in my book, a lot of these stories and, uh, they get my book to online and or go to crowbarpress.com that's my publisher uh, Scott Teal crowbar press like the crow all one word crowbarpress.com uh, I got a box of them right now so they can get some for me because I got them if not get them up there from Scott but uh, yeah go online if you don't mind folks out there and uh, you've been so uh, generous and kind to of me with the uh, doing a documentary and help support it and all and Really appreciate that, and just uh, help with the ministry. Now we'd be tight team partners together forever. We just have a few more questions for you. Obviously, the book is uh, is 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 that wrestling fate the bear's fat the bear facts. Excuse me. And then another book, Life in the Trenches. Uh, two books available for uh, Ivan Koloff there. But I just wanted to say, what was your favorite match of all time? Oh, against Bruno for sure, because uh, he was my hero, and you know. Uh, probably significant wise, you know, would have met uh, with the WWE belt. Uh, it was, you know, so important and uh, it meant a lot, a lot to me. But I've had matches with some uh, very great people like Andre the Giant. Uh, I mean, you know, Wahoo McDaniels, uh, some uh, famous people, uh, you know, right down to guys like Danny Hodge that I really admired as far as being like a AAU Ted Shamrock. I mean, so many guys. I couldn't even mention them all. My friends like Black Jack Mulligan and 
uh, all, all my friends, all, all just, just all those matches. I, I go back and remember so many of them. That, uh, but that that one is have to stand out. Stand out. Is Bruno your favorite opponent of all time as well? Yeah, Bruno. Yeah, for the belt, of course. You know. Nice. Now, what would you say is your lasting legacy on the wrestling business? Lasting legacy, I suppose, probably, uh, <laughs> other than the en- enduring part, like, you know, uh, no matter what territory I went in, I was, ended up being successful. It's just the uh, idea of uh, uh, the winning the belt, I guess. Uh, that had to be the most thing that people re- associate me with right away. Uh, that probably first, second, uh, the run I had with the key, I think, right there now, because I really... I was uh, entertaining to the people. They really enjoyed that, I think, at that time. Well, Ivan, this has been an absolute just treasure for John and I to to talk to you. We thank you so much for your time. And, again, the website is IvanKoloff.com. There's a merchandise page. There's the contact info if you'd like uh, Ivan to officiate your wedding or come speak. Uh, at, at, any, at any of your functions, please check out the site. And once more, Mr. Koloff, if you don't mind sharing, just a few other places to find uh, your great uh, merchandise. Yes. Uh, uh, well, of course, the book, uh, Scott Keel, that's crowbarpress.com, crowbarpress.com for that. Uh, I'd like you to check out my uh, daughter's page, uh, highwayrevival.com. And... Uh, I'd like to put a plug in for my friend too. We do uh, talking about this being a podcast, but uh, uh, friendly box breaks. Uh, Jody, Jody's friendly box breaks. She does uh, uh, a lot of stuff uh, we do together. Do uh, with the stuff he does with the different sports. But uh, Joey, yeah, Joey's friendly box breaks. But uh, I think that's about it. Other than uh, some maybe some shots I'm having in the near future. Going up at the end of the month here, to, uh, out to uh, WrestleCon out in California for uh, to do autographs. Going to be out there for a couple of days, the uh, Friday and Saturday, San Jose on uh, the 27th, I think, 28th, uh, just before WrestleMania. So I'll be down there doing autographs uh, with uh, WrestleCon and. Uh, other than that, I still attend some shows. Got uh, the uh, Ivan Kola Tag Team Tournament matches in Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, that's on April the 4th. Uh, they have that for the last eight years. They honor my name type thing by having a tag team tournament there. Uh, and that's in Clayton, uh, North Carolina at the Fitness Center. And uh, well, this Saturday, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be in Shelby. Of course, wrestling uh, George Selton the chain match. Uh, <laughs> a lot of different matches going to be up in Hampton uh, on the uh, 1st of May, first Saturday of May, wrestling up there with uh, some of my old uh, uh, emesis. Uh, I think uh, Lodi's supposed to be there, Tommy Rich. Uh, oh, man, I, I just forget some of the names up there that's going to be up there. Those guys like Tommy Rich going to be up there and uh, Wildfire, Tommy Rich, and a bunch of guys uh, up in the Hampton area. And check out my site to get the address there. And uh, again, thank you, fans. Thank you, thank you, my friends out there. And, yes, uh, and also very quickly, the uh, the also the documentary, the Russian Bear, Ivan Koloff, by our good friend Michael Elliott. That is also available on uh, Ivan Koloff's website. He's got a package on there where you can get some great stuff. Mr. Koloff, thank you again for coming on. We sincerely appreciate it, and all the best. My pleasure. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you.